Hello team and welcome to episode 403 of the Simply Fit podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Joyce Lowe. Joyce is a holistic pain and movement specialist and a lead teacher in movement flow. I'll be honest with you guys, I had no idea what movement flow was ahead of speaking to Joyce today, but the concept really caught my attention and I have no doubt it's going to catch yours too. Think yoga, martial arts and dance all mixed together. To me, that sounded like one incredible mix, and Joyce and I went deep on the topic of movement flow in today's conversation. In this episode, you can expect to learn what movement flow is and where it came from, what type of benefits you can gain from starting movement flow, along with where to start and how often you should be doing this to maximize the benefits. So without further ado, Joyce Lowe. Joyce Love, welcome to the show. How are you today? Good, good. Thank you for having me over here. I'm really excited about it. Thank you. The pleasure is truly, truly mine. I think you are our first guest who has taken a recording from Taiwan. You know, we've not had too, we've had many countries actually, but I don't think we've had too many on your side of the world. We did have someone recently in Hong Kong, but I think that's as far east as we've gone. So it's exciting to bring you on all the way from the other side of the world and the other side of the time Yay, difference as well. First one. <laughs> Yeah, we concurred that. So, all good. <laughs> Amazing. It's a good start. So, I'd love to get to know a little bit more about yourself. I'd love for the listeners to know a little bit about you as well. So, who is Joyce Lowe and what is it that you do? I'm Joyce Lowe. Uh, hi, everyone. And uh, in the very beginning, I was an English like university lecturer, like teaching English literature. And then when I was teaching English literature, I was looking for many different things to play around to learn. And at that time I started to learn some movement and some like neuroconnective therapy. And after that, I found a system like called Movement Flow. But at that time it was COVID. I could only do the thing online. But I remember the first time I tried Movement Flow, I was like, wow, it was so good. So that's the thing that's the moment I started to okay, I'm going to be the teacher. So finally after two years and I passed everything, every certificate. And now I'm uh, mainly teaching Movement Flow. And sometimes I also do the, uh, also at the same time, uh, um, NKT Neuroconnective Therapy Asia Certifier. Um, that's the main thing I'm doing right now, currently. Yeah. Wow. So it's a big transition all the way from English literature to what you do today. What, obviously you was inspired by the first time you did it and how it felt, but what inspired you to take such a big jump and transition in career from what you were doing in the classroom to what you're doing? Is it typically taking place in a gym or is it usually a studio? What, where is it usually taking place? Uh, movement flow. So usually we'll take the studio and we'll do more flow work. So movement flow is combining the system with um, like flow work and tiny, tiny bit like soft acrobatic, like cutwell, handstand, tiny bit. And yeah, it's mainly it's like flow work. So usually we'll do the studio with a sliding uh, floor. But of course, we also can do outside just a different scale and different feeling and different body sensation. And what did that transition of career look like? Like I said, it's a big transition, a big change. What did that feel like to you to go from the classroom to the studio and doing movement flow? Well, I have to say in the very beginning, it was quite scary because I don't know if that going to work or no. And specifically, I was, you know, like being a university lecturer was quite a long journey. Like I have to study so many, so many things and so many degrees. I finally got there. Of course. And just like... It's not like one day click. It's also like the thing I work on. So 
like for quite a while. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to try if I'm not trying right now. And I, I don't think I have the chance to do it later or the courage to do it later. So I just said, okay, I'm going to try it. And if it didn't work, then we figure out either go back to teach or like do whatever things. So that's the moment I'm going to make a decision right now because at that time I was still young. So if I want to do the movement, I want to do it like yeah. earlier rather than later. So that's how everything started. Amazing. And when was that transition? That was uh, like one year before COVID. So 2018, 19. Okay. Yeah. At that time. Okay. So it's been almost five years strong with you doing this now. Yeah. But in the very beginning, I didn't, I didn't do movement flow. So movement flow is a new thing. So in the very beginning, I was doing more um, neurokinetic therapy stuff and and searching what i really want to so i guess uh, after i found within fly found it's it's the one and it's perfectly matched from um about like why what, what i want to and what i'm looking for that's how i really like do the, another switch so okay mainly i want to focus this right now only gotcha and I'm keen to get the descriptions and the definitions of neuroconnective therapy. So let's go for that one first for my listeners to have an understanding of that. And then we can transition into what the definition of the difference is between movement flow. So can you run us through the earlier stages of your work first and then what the second stage of your work is look like? Right. So neuroconnective therapy, it's, it, you can call it the therapy stuff um, or course. Um, easy way to explain is, for example, we have shoulder pain, right? I usually will only look around the shoulder of this area. So why you got shoulder pain, maybe it's a rotator cuff or something like that. But through um, neuroconnective therapy protocol, we can find out the main cause. So main cause can be another shoulder, like your opposite shoulder or your left ankle, for example. So it can be like one time you got injured, you sprain your ankle from your left ankle. And starting from that day, you walk like funny or you use your cane. That's how you usually put your weight on your right side. And after you recover from your left ankle, you didn't notice that you had this weird habits that usually put the weight on your right side, on your right shoulder. So you got shoulder pain. Sure. But you forgot actually the left ankle is the main cause. So through the um, neurokinetic therapy, we need to treat or fix or train the left ankle first and come back to train the right shoulder. So that's the basic, basic protocol. And that can help people to go back training, get a higher, higher, higher performance. So they won't like keep coming, keep like treating, treating the, the, the symptom, but they don't know why. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because we've all been there before where maybe we have, like you said, a leg injury, for example, and then we just lean in a certain yeah. way. And then all of a sudden we've got this pain in our lower back and then our, and the opposite shoulder is starting to hurt as well. And like you said, you yeah. can start to find that link. And initially you're like, you know, I thought I just had this lower back pain and you realize it was kind of done as a byproduct of compensating due to a current injury that you might have been having. And the thing with our bodies as well is that they're incredibly intelligent, but they adapt very, very well as yeah. well. You know? So if you start to put them in certain positions that provide you comfort, it's almost like, well, that ends up being your normal position. And then yeah. you know, it might be pressing on something and pulling the other thing. And then it creates this link of yeah, a lot of challenges exactly. as well. So where do you get started with that? If, if someone comes to you with like, okay, I've got shoulder pain or I've got hip pain or something along those lines, are you realistically thinking like this isn't a problem with the shoulder or the hip? Or do you think that sometimes it is the root of the cause? So this is 
the moment I use my knowledge about like English literature. So usually I will ask the history and I'll analyze the history. So usually they say, oh, I got a shoulder pen. Say, okay, what kind of like things before you got shoulder pen or like any um, injury history? And they say, oh yeah, one time. And I will keep digging it. Gotcha. So by what they talk, and I will know, I kind of have like a map in my mind. So, okay, maybe I'll test this A, the B, C. I got a protocol first and then run through via um, uh, neuroconnective therapy. So I can confirm my thoughts or maybe my thought was wrong. And then I need to, uh, figure out like the other stuff and sometimes we will see their like movement assessment like how they move or any scar or any surgery a lot of things and sometimes just say their like lifestyle so you need a sharp eyes and yeah like very yeah good that skill. makes a lot of sense yeah that's how we figure out what's their main issue yeah absolutely and do you find that they're quite common in terms of the links that you experience like if someone does come back in with lower back pain on the left hand side can you kind of obviously you don't apply the same level of thinking to every single patient or client you work with but you probably have a rough idea of like i have a feeling where that might originate are there some links so if someone's experiencing shoulder pain right now or lower back pain right now do you have an idea of like ah there's probably one or two places that maybe 70 percent of the time we see that typically is linked to that shoulder or lower back pain mm. Yeah, we definitely have that like common issue, but that common issue most of the time only fit for like office workers. So like low back pain, typically. Mm. And it's like for sitting too long and they are not training their low back and core muscle, two things at the same time. So, you know, like, for sitting for so long and when they go back, they maybe just like keep releasing the low back because they feel sore, but they never think, never thought about to train the lower back muscle. Because when you got muscle, you got like, then can support your upper body. So that's the thing um, they will miss. They know how to release, but they forgot they also need to train. And it's not like train for like heavy weight, just need to train how it works. So usually if it's office workers and they got lower back pain, I say, okay, you need to release, but you also need to train like lower back, oblique, um, core muscles. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think that's really, really valuable, actually, because I think a lot of the time, the automatic thought process that we go through is like, ah, we need to stretch more. You know, we yeah. need to, like you said, release more. Okay, my I got lower back pain, so ah, my hip flexors must be tight, so I must need to do some hip flexor stretches, or I need to search into YouTube five stretches that I can do from yeah. my desk. But no one actually thinks about the other side of it, like you said, of strengthening. And I work with a lot of dentists, and quite a lot of them ask me, okay, I'm having back pain, I'm having shoulder pain, because I'm always crouched over into yeah. this position. And one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give them, especially strengthen their back in the first place, so they've got exactly. a little bit more muscular endurance they've got a little bit more resilience when it comes to them maintaining that position does that tend to be the case in your work as well exactly exactly because our brain said the first reaction is oh it's tight so i have to release but that release you know it just come back tomorrow so if you release every day and you feel the same every day then which means something not quite right over there then you need to do something else right so you try different methods just like ask them yeah. tell them to like train that muscle tiny bit is there any precautions that people should take because i should imagine a lot of people be like okay i've got lower back pain so the worst thing i want to do is put it in more pain for training and obviously we've got to recognize that those two different pains are very very different but i can imagine a lot of people would be like well you know if my lower back is hurting all the time the last thing i want to do is make it sore by going to the gym and working it for example so are there any precautions that we need to take when we're training an area that maybe has been previously injured or is a little bit sore on a day-to-day -day basis if it's just soreness or like 
sitting for too long that kind of, it's not injured so it's like two different things one is just not using it or sitting for too long in that case sure. because most of the time when we say oh you need to train the muscle and most of people think the first thing is oh i have to go back go to the gym and i have to lead the heavy weights but you can just move around it doesn't have to be going to the gym so we need to take that concept out so usually i'll give them like really light body weights like workout or just um use a resistant band to help to teach them to do very very light work so the light work is they can apply it single every single day so they don't have to go to the gym like for them it's already super tired then they have no motivation to go to the gym and if they're like oh i have to go to the gym and maybe tomorrow i feel like even sore then that's the thing they don't want to so usually i'll give them very very light work but for the injured that'll be different story so usually i'll just tell them okay for the injury if this move you feel pain then don't do it we just choose something we feel good so and then gradually build it up um the strength or what maybe they need to stretch so see what they are lacking of so it's two different cases yeah that's really great advice so if it's just a little bit of soreness then try and implement that someone can do pain-free but with challenge every single day and yeah. if someone is injured then it's just a case of finding something that doesn't impact their injury exactly. but they can do kind of on a regular basis and is that a time where maybe you know stretching does need to come into a fold maybe it needs to be like a little bit of a different ratio like maybe for the typical person it needs to be probably two servings of strength because they probably neglected it so much and one serving of stretching for example is it a different ratio when it comes to someone who's injured maybe they need to be two or three stretch and one strength to yeah. navigate the fact that they are working through pain at the moment in time yeah like each person i would say each person is very different and also we need to see the personality some people will say hey trend this like do this move like one one time per day they'll do 10 times and the next day like, i feel like too much right and some people you <laughs> some people you just tell them okay you have to do it every day and then do it like every week so you just, every everyone is so different and if also if your clients are a bit like lacking of motivation give them something easy to do maybe the efficiency won't be as good as um, other stuff but as long as they will continue to do it that's good for them because for those people um continuity is 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 the is the thing so we we hope that can continue trend they can they can keep strengthening um so everyone's really different so you do will see how they move and what they what's their purpose and what's their performance look like and how their body can take it because some people their body proprioception is not that well so you need to give them very simple cue instead of like super complicated and complicated can be very different definition for you it's easy for them it's quite complicated so if for mm -hmm. them it's complicated complicated either they are not doing it or they're doing it in a very wrong way that's also the thing you don't want to yeah that's the thing that i found when i was more of a one-to-one -one personal trainer it's like every single body and every single person you work with is completely different you know and you tell one person to raise their arm and their leg and they raise their finger and their shoulder <laughs> yeah. you know it's, it's exactly. amazing to see the differences between how people respond and it's not 
due to a lack of education or anything like that. It's just the way that some people can move their body or integrate a certain thing. And some people have this natural tendency where they can sit in a squat perfectly and yeah. you're like, okay, my job's going to be easy here. But then you've got maybe the challenge of them going into excessive ranges, for example. So it's like, it's not as straightforward as sometimes you think. So it's really interesting that you mentioned that. And like you said, the most practical thing is to make sure that they can do it on a regular basis. And it's not too complicated for them that they would end up giving up because yeah. they're like, oh, this is too hard. I have to do it too often. So you're right. It's all individual basis, right? Yeah. I, I feel like giving up is the the thing you want to see. So whatever efforts or method we're going to take, just don't give up like, or like stop or quit or whatever. You need to have them to keep doing it. That That's, that's the main key. And we can do it slowly, but keep yeah. doing it. I could not agree more. Yeah. That's it. I always say it has to be practical over optimal. It might be the most optimal plan in the world, but if it doesn't work on a practical level and someone won't do it, it doesn't matter how sophisticated or amazing your yeah. plan is. If they won't do it, it really doesn't mean anything yeah, at all. True. So I think we definitely share the same thoughts there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a good idea of neuroconnective therapy now and kind of got an idea that is generally finding the issue, recognizing the link and trying to work on kind of a full body approach to solve the issue that someone's going through. Now let's transition into movement flow. What is movement flow? Right. Uh, so movement flow is combined dance, yoga, martial arts, soft acrobatic things together. Um, so in level one, we got three levels. So in level one, we got 30, 30 moves and I would say 20 of them are easily based. So it's like just float work and 10 of them are a bit higher level. So like um, cartwheel, handstand, and okay. back bend, that kind of stuff. So we got 30 moves. So each move from move A to B, we need to transit. So in that transition, you need to use your body. You need to use your creation to transit, bring your body how to move from A to B like softwares or like effortless or in graceful way um can't be like have like heavy impact okay so two things um one is you have to learn like each move and the second thing is you need to know how your body can move so you are able to move transit from a to b and that's the juicy point that's how i feel about the transition Okay, that's really interesting. So you've got going from A to B. Does it always go in the same fashion or can it go from, you've got 30 movements, right? So just kind of go from one to 27 to yeah. 13 to uh, 24, for example. So it's all a kind of a mix. Yeah, it's always mixed. So with uh, like flow, so we usually we will say, okay, we pick three moves to do the flow and we try to make not so in a logic way. So don't do the easy, you know, easy flow, of course, in the very beginning, we have to learn the concept of how to flow. But when we like graduate or a more challenging way, it's don't make it like so logically. So try to make like, oh, how to make that transit from this one to that another one. So that's the moment you will know what your body likes and what your body doesn't like. So sometimes um, people like always tend to left side, they don't like to tend to right. So that's the moment I need to train my students. Okay, now I have forced you to know how to turn to right because you own, you can't just say always turn turn the left side. So the transition it's also kind of like build up the body strategies. If you got more strategy to move around and you get less mm -hmm. um, like chance to get injured, so that's the strategy part about movement flow. 
Sure. And run me through some of these different movements. Are they movements that we might have seen before? Like if someone sees you in the studio doing movement flow, will they be like, ah, that looks familiar. You mentioned there's obviously components of martial arts, dance, and yoga as well. So I imagine some of the movements have crossovers to some of those sports slash activities. Uh, I would say yes, um, but like, you know, like different systems, they got different names. For example, like Caldwell Handstand is the name is exactly the same. Okay. And the other one's called, I think it's in um, Cabela called um, QDR. So it's like put the elbow on the side hip and then balance over here. I know in breaking they call ice. So this one is a common move, but detail will be slightly, slightly different. But the main power will be the same. And right. back rolling, forward roll, that will be the same as other stuff. And windmill, um, I think in breaking, they're also called windmill. So this kind of like things, it's like combining everything. But of course, I saw moves. It's uh, the founder Slava. He created and he named it. So when we, when I say this name, like you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's not like handstand. If I say, oh, open door. Like, What's the open door? But only movement floor people know what open door is. But handstand, like everyone, what handstand is. Yeah, absolutely. So some common crossovers. So we won't yeah. be completely uh, lost if we step into a class for the first time. We'll have a yeah. rough idea. So it's also about the benefits of movement flow as well. I can I can imagine that there are a fair amount. There's you know many benefits to dance. There's benefit benefits to martial arts. And there's many benefits to yoga as well. So combining the three together sounds like something fairly interesting and fairly beneficial as well. So can you talk to us about the benefits of uh, movement flow and also is it one of those things where you know when you come away from yoga it depends on the different type of yoga you do there might be somewhere you're like you leave it like an ashtanga for example and you feel like yeah, this is pretty intense if I, my terminology has served me correctly and then you might go to a yin for example where it is more stretch based and you're like you're going to feel the effects of it but you're not going to leave feeling like you've done a workout so can you explain whether well first the benefits and also whether it's supposed to feel like a really full-on workout or is it something that's supposed to be kind of roughly difficult but not like super intense that you leave the studio sweating <laughs> right um so first uh moving flow the benefit <laughs> <laughs> the benefit i would say the first thing is build out the body strategy usually I, I i love to ask people okay i give you three different ways and i now if you're sitting i give you three different um can you give me three different ways from sitting to standing up by one like different way to stand up you can use your hand you can use your body I usually you will see people got stuck over there. So they forgot they can use their hand, they can use their elbow, they can rotate, they can turn. So this is the body strategy. So that's how we build up the strategy in movement flow because we need to create our transitions. And the second benefit is we are training our mobility. We have to know each uh, joint how to move so we can move on the floor because the floor is over there. They, they won't move. You are the only person you move on them. So you need to train your uh, mobility, yeah. joint mobility. And the better mobility you have, and then you have like smooth flow to, to do. And of course, the mobility is when you do the flow is every single time it's active, active, active. So it's not just like passive stretch. It's that active um, mobility training. That would be the second part I would like to say. And the third one is to boost the proprioception, your body proprioception, because you are rolling on the floor. You are, it's kind of like yeah. you, the floor forces you to know how to use those small muscles. Because when we go to the gym, we only train the big muscle with one plan at a, at a time because mm. of the machine. 
But on the floor, you need to know how to use those small muscles in a dynamic way. So that's back to the same, like the first um, challenge I love to give students. Can you apply me like three different ways from standing to stand up or from sitting to stand up? So that's the moment they need to figure out how to use these small muscles and co uh, cooperate together and do the transition. And yeah, run us through that sitting to standing transition. I'm curious about how someone might do that in like an eloquent way and in a way that aligns with the movement flow philosophy. Philosophy, you, you know, it's just because most of people just like try to like squat and stand up. That's their one plan, right? Okay, doesn't matter if it's one plan or what, but that's one way. I need three ways. So most of people like, okay, second way, then how to do the second way? So they may just like put the hand down and bring the leg back and still like one plank stand up. So you can see most of people, they don't like, they forgot they can make their self rotate and stand up or turn to the other side, bend their knees or leg switch to stand up. So actually, because we are so trained in moving one plane, it's just very common. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing, like when we train, uh, from movement flow, we need to know, okay, our body can, are uh, capable, capable to do this. Just like when we, you know, when we walk and you got trapped and when you trap, like some people just fall, but some people they can like, oh, trap and tiny hop and do forward roll. It's strategy. And how, yeah, how well you know your body. No, that makes sense. And can your body to do that? So that's what we train is a like benefits um people don't usually see it in the first second right? because in the very beginning when they see the like uh flow they just say oh it's cool it's more like performing way but actually they got many benefits behind it and so i, I usually i would tell them okay so after five sessions you should feel this for example you should feel your uh, joints got more you got shoulder got more mobile and you know how to move in different ways. It's not just one way. So it's like after five sessions, you should see the benefit. You should feel the benefits. Gotcha. And also because with film flow, we need three different things. One is strength and mobility and coordination, like three things. And not a lot of people, they are equally good in these three things. It's like either you are super good at strength and very bad at no. coordination. So usually in the class, you got the chance to be the first one and also you got the chance to be the last one. So we want to make those three, three things equally good for you. And so the gap between can be smaller. Of course, you still got a better one. So for example, take myself example, uh, I'm better in coordination, but my flexibility or um, the mobility, it's not my favorite. But it's by training, gotcha. by training, and it's getting better. So they can be equally good. When they are equally good, then you are able to do more things in the flow or more things in movement, not just flow, maybe just in movements. So that's the benefits uh, behind movement flow. Yeah. I was going to say, I can imagine they have a really practical application to everyday life as well, because if you're stronger, if you're more coordinated and you're more mobile, then just about everything else gets easier as well. Not just in flow, but in life, I should imagine as well. Exactly. Yeah. So back to your question, like, how do they feel like after the, uh, you know, after the first session or after the session when they walk out to, mm -hmm. them, to the studio? So usually it's not like cardio sweats or like heavy weightlifting sweat. It's, I don't know, have you ever heard about the word called neuro age? 
like new age, it's like your brain. So new age is that your brain cannot take any information anymore. It's like you read a lot of reads at like in one hour, so intense, and suddenly those words cannot come into your your brain at all. So you feel you feel so tired. But that tired is not it's not like oh my body is sore. It's like you're tired and start um yawning. Are you tired? Just like you just want to lay down immediately. So usually after the first session, like movement flow, they'll suddenly say, oh my God, I'm like so tired, but happy tired, but it's not like sweaty. And you, yeah. main thing is because we train so many like tiny muscles, they seldom use. And the second thing is yeah, like most of people say, okay, from this move and how do I do to transit to the other one? You know, so it's like brain training at the same time. So this is coordination. So when we train about the coordination, is I have to say, it's quite tiring. It's very different from muscle tire. So usually that's how they feel about yeah. movement flow. That's it. There's like a mental component to it as well. I mean, once you learn one movement in the gym, it's like, okay, I kind of know how to do this now. And, you know, I can kind of do it on autopilot. But if you're like going through coordination exercises, you're making sure your mobility is also in the right place and you have to be strong enough also as well, then I can imagine, yeah, exactly. It's like this full body tiredness from your physical to your mental <laughs> as well, just through yeah. going through those different flows. No, it definitely makes sense from that perspective as well. And it's not going to have the same, you know, it's not going to feel the same as going to run a 10K, for example. It's not going to have the same sweatiness as a HIIT workout or the same demand as a heavy strength training session but it has all these different components mixed in and i can imagine like the idea of a good movement flow session is that you don't leave someone like on the floor and they can't do anything because you probably push them too much for that session right <laughs> yeah so i will say there's not the, really the thing they can't do it on the floor because we always get a regression so if you can't do this okay do another one uh -huh. and the rest of it just transition so transition is really depends on how your body feels of course we will give some advice we will give some challenge but we want to you know like push the limits like we can't over it because if you're over it, you feel you feel unsafe especially if we're working on some high level scale move and we don't want to push too much but if just on the floor and we still want to keep challenging you but before you become like tofu you know so you're still able to move and you still have like some confidence say like, to because Everyone wants to see themselves like performing good in a good way. So we will record the flow. And yeah. usually when they see the flow, they like, oh, actually, I can do it. Or like, oh, actually, I, I, look, I look quite, you know, like not embarrassing. I look okay. I look pretty good. So that's how they want. <laughs> yeah, that's how the moment they want to keep doing it. And also, usually they, the first thing they will tell me is, oh, I feel like very happy, but they don't know why, but they feel like happy. I guess just say that's what we did when we were kid or when we were in like baby rolling on the floor. So usually they'll say, yeah, I feel like so good. Of course, yeah. tired. That's for sure. But happy. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense because a lot of people, when you take them through breath work sessions, for example, I don't know if you've seen a lot of breath work done in the past, but generally speaking, a lot of people learn how to diaphragmatically breathe for the yeah. first time and you know they've not done that in 20 30 40 years yeah and the first time you show them like kind of how to d breathe deeply and they're like for the first time i'm not breathing just from my chest but i'm breathing from my stomach they're like 
you know, have this almost like out of body experience of like, wow, like I didn't realize I could feel this way. So I can imagine, like you said, it's kind of the same. It's going back to movements that they've maybe not accessed since being a child. It's going back to positions that they haven't been able to find themselves in since a very, very young age, which ultimately to us should feel very natural. It's just kind yeah. of our lifestyles and, you know, injuries and all these other things that remove our ability to do that so i can imagine tapping back into that and like you said feeling good whilst doing it as well i can imagine it kind of brings a sense of like ah, i'm really connecting with the roots of my body and what i should be able to do right yeah i think i, I think that's um that's how they feel because think about when we were when we were babies with rolling on the floor all the time but actually when was the last time you could mm. just say like, sit on the floor right maybe it's a long time ago not even just sit on the floor like we all sit on the chair right now so now they bring them back to the floor and then really use the floor, do whatever they want, do whatever they can to see, listen to their body and see what their body uh, will bring them to. That's also another training we'll do. It's kind of like free flow. Um, so it's really listen to your body and then move around with it, not just like, oh, I give you this move, I give you that move. So it's very different, um, two different approaches. Yeah, and once again, it's nice because of in the like the free flow that you have, like there's no right or wrong way of doing it. I guess, like you said, it's just kind of listening to your intuition, seeing where your body is taking you as well. So there must be some elements of freedom to doing that as well. Like movement, sometimes, especially when it comes to like my traditional style of training, which is strength training. Like there's one way to do it. Mm. You've got to perfect this technique, and realistically, there's not a lot of room for error or a lot of room for diversity because of that movement is supposed to be that way. So there must be a lot of freedom in the sense of, like you said, connecting with something that you haven't done in many, many years and also having the freedom to kind of move in the way that your body feels, not in the way that you know that you need to in order to do this movement safely and effectively. Because that's the big part of strength training, right? It's like you've got a ton of weight. So yeah. you have to do it in a certain way. Otherwise, you know, there's a potential of injuring yeah, yourself. That's true. Whereas it's nice that you're only working with your body weight, then you have the ability to kind of be a little bit more free with uh, with your movements because you don't have a big load coming on top of you, well, apart from your body weight, but, you know, nothing else is external. Exactly. Like, when we do the flow, of course, each move, we have like, okay, this move you should do in this way. But, you know, sometimes it really depends on each person's, for example, mobility or like whatever, right? So only if it's a specific move, like high scale level, then we go like, okay, you have to follow this rule, otherwise you're gonna hurt yourself. The rest of it, because for example, like squat, like squat all the way down, some people can't do it, we will give you the regression, just like what I said before. And for the regression, which means that people still can feel the flow, still can move. They won't say, it's yeah. not like, oh, they can't do this move, and then, okay, this move we take out. No, you're still able to do it, just like different variation. So from the different variation, we hope to build up the strength. Maybe one day they can do it, the standard one. But in the flow transition, we always say there's no right or wrong. We also want to want people to um, like really think out of the box because nowadays that like, people like so worry about, oh, is it right? It's like, okay, how many degree I need to rotate myself? Is it? There's no rule like, okay, how many degree I really need to rotate because really depends on your body. For example, like right now, I need to rotate like 30 degree, but maybe later I need to rotate more. So we want people think out of the box. There's no right and wrong. Just really enjoy the floor, learn the moves, and move around. Because, you know, sometimes when they did something wrong, oh, they, they, they just say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's like, oh, good. See, you now you create another transition. 
right? This is a, not the wrong move, but just a yeah. different transition. So different means that your body like to do it. So yeah, you can take it into your like transition library. That's your thing. So we we want them don't just like frame themselves into oh this is right, this is wrong. We want them to abandon that because we're already under that kind of pressure in our daily life. So and the flow will hope they yeah. can have a more freedom. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's a beautiful concept. And with the transition, you mentioned that the beauty is in the transition. And just then you said that, you know, if that's the way someone's body likes to move, that's the way they, their body likes to move. So with the 30 moves, they're kind of set in place. Like they're the fundamentals and kind of the moves that you have to do every time, if I'm not mistaken. And with the transitions, I have two questions here. The first is, you know, are you open to kind of transition in any way you see fit that kind of moves you in a, I guess, like a very nicely transitioned way? And the second aspect is, is there a traditional way to transition and how do we create that beauty in the transition? The beauty of transition is usually I will tell them, don't think about like, now I really have to move from A to B. Think about your body, it's the water. So it's like you have to dive in, flow into the B. So from each move, don't try not to stop. Even you feel you stuck or you feel you're doing wrong, even though we don't have the wrong way. Still, like move and have something move around your body, even just one finger. Like your finger like move, still the rest of it will move together. So sometimes there's, don't forget, we only remember, okay, we have to move our like shoulder, hip, but we forgot like all those tiny details. So just move around. Think about your like your the water flow into it and that's the main concept i'll give my students and uh, sometimes i'll give the training say okay think about now you have to use your shoulder say try to write number eight so you know like write the a so my rest okay. of body will move together so i'll say okay have a writing number eight between the, this transition so they have the ideas okay i, I won't just say move this one and then stop and think about okay how do i go to next and then go so there's also no, again, no correct way. Um, some people like to do all the moves like very like full intense, like every move like strength, like stretch to the like to the maximum. Some people want to do more flowy way. Some people want to do more powerful way. So it's a very different style from different people. But I think the main concept is you know what you are doing. That's the thing. If you have your reason, you know what you're doing, then it will look so good. Don't feel like, oh, I got stuck. I don't know what I should do. But of course, it's by practicing and by training. And also, it's kind of a build up the, like some confidence at the same time. You have to trust your body. Like, you have to trust like, what you're capable of. Even you just do the easy transition, but you have your style, then that's all good. I like that a lot. And yeah, as you mentioned, with the competence that's built, there'll be more confidence and also more trust and more ability to be like, okay, I know where I'm going with these. So there's more focus that you can place on that transition because you know that you are highly competent in this movement and this movement, you know, you've transitioned between them before, you know what didn't feel right, what you feel would feel right. And you can start practicing those different types of things as well. So it makes a lot of sense. So now my next question, I'm sure the question on a lot of listeners' minds is like, how do you get started with this? You know, it's not a common thing to come across. Is it really popular in Taiwan as well? Movement floor? No, Movement Floor is from uh, Canada. It's from Vancouver. Um, 
So I learned it okay. online because it was COVID already at that time. Um, it it's very new. Um, the new system, maybe like four or five years. So it's we still like try to um, like grow market uh, around the the whole world. So it's starting getting popular in Asia because we brought uh, many different classes to many different countries right now. How do we get start? Um, we got Move and Flow app. We got weekly online class. We got online many online resources you can find, or we post a lot of flow on Move and Flow Instagram or even my Instagram my tutorial. And we try to make easier like tutorial so people can really follow because you know sometimes we're just too excited and make a tutorial and people say, "What are you doing?" I say, "I have no idea what you're doing." So now we try to make like slow <laughs> tutorial so people can really follow. And like app is the easy way, or just like follow Instagram will be easy way. Follow those tutorials. Just try one or two move by moving on the floor, or even just start with a challenge like. Think about three different ways. How are you going to, from sitting on the floor to standing? And then you will know, okay, how, what my body feels. And try many different ways as possible, even more than three. And you can do the reverse. Um, try to, three different ways from standing to sitting. And then try to roll around. That's the basic, basic way to start. So you can build up the relationship with your body and the floor. And then you can start learning different flow from um, our website. Got you. And how long is a typical flow session? How many times a week do we want to be doing this? I'm sure, again, it depends on the person, but let's say in an ideal world where someone is relatively injury-free, maybe they've got a few aches and pains here and there, they've got some time to invest in their health and well-being. How many times would you recommend someone to get started with and what they can build up to in the future once they've gotten into a few sessions and they kind of got an idea of how their body will move and feel? Right. Um. So just like general population, idea will be like one hour per yeah. session and one session per week. So again, like consistency. So after one session, then they can practice. Ideally, they still can practice at home, like move around, like floor a bit on the floor. And after a couple sessions, we start. We will if it's a one on one, and sometimes we will see like okay, what they are liking of. Maybe they are liking of um strength, and we will build mm -hmm. up strength because we still got handstand. Um, if they are lacking of flexibility, we will focus on that. Maybe it's a shoulder mobility. And if there's group class, and we will set up the topic, like each time topic will be different. So for example, this week it's mobility. So we do mobility and we will focus those moves and those flows more for the mobility. Maybe next time it's coordination. So our transition will be more complicated because it will be coordination. So every single time will be different topic. And for the private, it really depends on what you are lacking of. And we will try to build up, like maintain your strength and work on your weakness and to create the flow together. So you won't, you won't feel mm -hmm. too frustrated at the same time, but also feel like you also learn something together. Yeah, you have to make sure you're giving someone something that they can do so they at least feel like not everything they do is hard, right? So yeah. if they're talented with the strength, throw in a couple of those, but really prioritize the coordination and yeah. mobility work as well and with any crossovers as well i know a lot of people like to maybe do yoga and they like to do dance or they like to 
do a sport, for example, but they also like to maybe run and they maybe like to strength train on top of that as well. Are there any things like outside of doing movement flow that can assist the work that you do in movement flow? And I I guess also the opposite is true as well. Is there anything that can make your performance not so great? Like if you're doing, I know, a certain amount of strength in the same plane all the time, would that have an impact on your on your ability to transition and progress within movement flow? So usually I would just say, try many different exercise activities. That That's it. That's the only suggestions I have because if you only try one thing, I, you know, you are too dominant for that stuff. So there's also another word called like functional dysfunction. So because you only can function this way. So the other stuff you got dysfunction. And also we don't want like autopilots gotcha. to that function. So just try many different activities, not just like only focus on one thing. Like for me, I now I do movement flow, but at the same time, I try many different classes like gymnastics or like flipping is more like for conquer my fear, but I'm willing, you don't have to nail it, but at least try different things. So your body knows and move in many different ways. You can just, like, uh, for example, like you focus on running, but at the same time, you can do martial art, you can do yoga, you can do many different things. But you still like, okay, I really want to focus on running. That's all good. But just don't do running and give up all the stuff. I think it's an easy trap to get caught into as well, especially with people who have limited time and think, oh, I, can, I, I need to make the best use of my time or I need to do the hardest workout because I've only got 30 minutes. But then you get locked into this box and then you start to think, ah, oh, well, exercise isn't as fun because of, I can only do this. I found that in the past for myself. I got very locked into the weight training side of things. I thought I could only train in a specific type of way. But once you open yourself up to like doing other sports and doing other things, it's like, ah, well, there's like a world out there that's so much more enjoyable and also so much more beneficial. Like you said, you, our life is very much in one plane. So if we decide to run in that one plane, if we decide to train in that one plane as well, it's very, very easy to get stuck and like you said forget that we can move to the left and to the right yeah yeah i think also the mindset like i remember i was like that person's like oh i i really need to trend this i really need to trend this and if i didn't do it, i feel like oh my god i felt so worried like, I, I didn't do that what should i do but you know sometimes mm. you just either just take a rest or do some like just even just walking chill and when you come back to do the same training you did before like you will feel sometimes you'll improve a lot so sometimes just like our bodies works in that way. So just don't focus, like keep digging into that things that much. Like don't forget our stuff are also quite beneficial for our body at the same time. Absolutely. I do think sometimes taking a step away, doing something different and coming back is sometimes more beneficial than kind of, like you said, keep like chipping away at that same thing because if you kind of get that, feeling of like oh, I'm not I'm kind of <laughs> tired of doing this I'm not feeling like I'm making much progress but it's amazing that like you said something you step away your mind has an opportunity to work on that internal or external thing and then you come back and like oh wow I didn't actually do anything to improve it by take but to, by taking a step away from it for some reason I was actually able to improve it so I think that's a good point as well so coming into the final stages of this conversation which has been fantastic obviously a lot of people will be maybe interested and I trust that they're going to hopefully listen to you Joyce before for getting into their first movement flow session. So hopefully I want them to go away with all these learnings, but I also want them to go away with any 
common mistakes that you see people walk into your studio? What are the three top things that people do wrong when it comes to movement flow that you can pre-warn my listeners so they go in with that level of understanding and they don't make those mistakes? <laughs> First thing, wear socks. <laughs> we need socks to be wear able socks. to flow on the floor. That's That's the thing. And second thing, there's no right and wrong. Again, like don't feel bad if you feel you do something different from my version because we are just different, doing different flow, different version flow. So don't feel like, don't feel bad. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't remember this or feel in that way. No. And the third thing, usually, yeah, just bring the happy moods and happy mood coming, happy mood back. That's it. So wear socks. As long as you have socks, then everything's good. <laughs> and do you need like a small space within your home like how much space do you need because you mentioned realistically most people will be doing it you you learn online during yeah. the time of the pandemic and you were able to pretty much do all of that from home i should imagine so do you need a relatively big space do you need a small space because i think that that's going to really help people if they know that they don't need a lot and i think a lot of people have socks at home and if they've got a small <laughs> space then it's probably going to be quite viable for them to do yeah uh, the easy way to measure if you have the space or not, just lay down and do snow angel. So usually, ideally, if you have two, the space, you can you are able to do two snow angels, then you are good. Oh, amazing. That's a nice recommendation, actually. It's very practical and easy for them to do. <laughs> and if they're working with carpet instead of like carpet? hard floor, does that make a difference as well? Because I should... No, just a tiny bit. Well, there's a tiny bit. The feeling is different, but it's like not the different like you can't do floor. Just the feeling is... I will sometimes... People feel like even better because they, they feel they are they can do some like higher level skill on the carpet. So it's not like huge different, just a feeling. And that's it. So it's all the same. Gotcha. And also there's maybe a little bit of a softer landing if they end up falling as well. So that could be beneficial as well. <laughs> yeah, true. But of course the soft landing we have, we have to learn, doesn't matter which kind of floor. But carpet definitely uh, better for the beginner. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's really good to know. So Joyce, this has been a very insightful and interesting conversation. Do you have any closing thoughts on the concepts of movement flow that you want to share with the listeners that we may have not covered today? Not really, but I just encourage people to really move around and try many different dimensions. Try to move, try to challenge yourself, try to do something different, try to train your coordination. That's it. Amazing. I do actually have one final question off the back of that as well. Is that why do you not think this is mainstream yet? Do you think it's just super, super new? Like you said, it's only been around for not that many years. Is it the fact that it's so new? Because I can imagine like so many people are obsessed with the world of martial arts, same with yoga, same with dance, like they're very, very popular. So I should imagine like an integration of all three would be something that would catch a lot of people's attention. But it's kind of one of the first times I'm hearing from it today. And I've got my ears to the ground when it comes yeah. to the health and fitness industry. Why is it not popular as much as you might expect it to be just yet? Uh, first, it's new. And also when you started like building up, it, it was COVID. So like kind of like three years, we can't really do a lot of things. And the second thing is a lot of people like see our Instagram uh, videos that ah, it's too hard. I don't want to try. So <laughs> that's the thing. But uh, of okay. course, you know, when we put on Instagram, we want something like eye-catching. So that's why we we try to do something fancy flow. And yeah, they sort of feel like, oh, it's so hard. So usually that's what we hear. That's um, They feel, oh, it's too hard. It's too hard. But when we uh, have them to try it, they feel like, oh, actually I can do it. You know, like some even some high level scale. It's not just like floor work. So 
And it's like all level, all level, all ages are welcome. We got people who are around like 75. They're still doing move and fly. They didn't have any kind of background. Oh. Yeah. So again, because they got some knee pain or like um, limited on their hip, we will do the regression for them. So that's what we are trying to do right now. Like tell people, hey, it's all levels and all ages welcome. You, of course, you saw that, you see the, those videos are like, really fancy. But actually, it's it just so again like one style is a performance. It's so benefits behind, and everyone can do that. So I guess that's why people in the very beginning, first impression, and always feel like they can't do it. And I can understand that. So I just want to encourage people like don't be afraid. Just say have the class, even just a trial class. You know, we always offer the trial class that people if they want to try, we'll bring them, give them one on one trial class, and so they can feel what it looks like like really instead of just like by watching videos absolutely it's a challenge right like on instagram like you said you got to get that balance between trying to gain people's interest by doing something quite fancy and sophisticated but also you don't want to scare people who are like okay yeah. well, i'm not going to be able to do that so yeah it's like finding that balance between which is not easy especially when it comes to social media yeah. as well and we're look- let's say we're looking into the future 10 years down the line where do you anticipate that movement flow will be in the year of 2033, for example? In 10 years from now. Um, hopefully, we can bring it, like, what I see in my version is we're going to bring um, movement flow will be in the university curriculum. And also, we got Ken Corporate nice. with, um, like, uh, physiotherapy. So, as I say, movement flow has got so many benefits. So, it's not only performing because I feel in a performing way, we got, uh, we got like, quite a strong base and we got quite a lot of people over there. So now I want to work in a more uh, general population where people can use that as a, a prehab and rehab. Uh, we can work with uh, like physio, like clinics, uh, like uh, universities. So people really use it as a daily base uh, activity or exercise. They can do it at home. They can watch TV and do move and flow, like even just one or two moves. They don't have to do, okay, now I have to work out and I, they go something that's somewhere else. They can do it anytime and everyone at home. It's like mom and kids that do it together. So that's what we want. It's like, should be the easy approach. You don't need equipment. You can do it anytime, anywhere when you want to do it. Should be in that way. So that's our goal. And what we are, um, in, that's our vision as well. Love that. I really do. And my last question is usually on someone's personal mission as well. I think you've encaptured that quite a fair bit in the last thing that you mentioned, but what impact do you personally want to have on the world with the work that you do? Usually I'll say I want people to live better, move better, feel better. So as long as you feel in that way, then you will feel your value in this society. And of course, I also want to help people do that so I can feel my value because I feel having value is very important for a person for the, um, in their life uh, meaning. So that's why I want to do this right now. So I want to introduce this to so many people because I want people are able to take care of themselves, not just rely on someone else, especially one day we'll get old. So we don't want to got like so many pain and then we can't move freely. So, I really hope people can live better, feel better, and move better. I love it, Joyce. It's a beautiful mission. And with that being said, where is the best place for people to find you if they want to keep up with the work that you're doing or try out one of your classes? Tell us where they can find you. 
easy way to find me is on my Instagram, Joyce Lalun Law, or just type Move and Flow Asia or Move and Flow like three accounts. Like I'm, I will answer everyone's uh, question. Or if they want a trial class with me, just schedule with me one on one, and they can feel, uh, experience me Move and Flow. Amazing. I'll make sure all of that is in the show notes below. But Joyce, thank you so much for your time today. It was a very insightful and super interesting conversation, actually. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. To reach out to me on social media, you'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.